to another episode of Why Like This. I am your host, Adeline. I'm Tara. I'm Nick. I'm Nadia. So everyone, today we're going to talk about something quite interesting. So International Women's Day is around the corner, right? So I thought we might address something that all Malaysian women might have a gripe with, which is safety in Malaysia. But before we jump into it, I have a special guest to introduce. Everyone, please welcome our special guest for today. Her name is Mena and she is the Services Program Officer at All Women's Action Society Malaysia, also known as AWAM. Hi, Mena. Hello, everyone. Hi. How are you today, Mena? Oh, today has been a really, really hectic day. I can't wait to tell all of you about some of the interesting scenarios cases that we're ge- that we're getting Ooh. oh dang. very in line with today's topic yes yes okay so let's just jump into it lah. warning the following program includes mention and discussion of stalking harassment kidnapping sexual abuse violence rape and murder listener discretion is advised so i just want to ask you all this question in general, mm. how safe do you think Malaysia is? It depends on a lot of factors. Mm, yeah. <laughs> what I do you interpret like, from that question? Uh, like safe from violence and not getting robbed, that kind of thing. So for me, I feel like your safety depends on where you live, your socioeconomic status and what your home environment is like. So if you live in a gated community, I feel it's kind of safe. Because you have security to protect you from home invaders or something. And that's affected by your socioeconomic status. In your home environment, sometimes, unfortunately, your safety can be perpetrated by abusive family members or something. Hmm. Well, if you were to ask me, uh, personally, there have been many scenarios where, uh, you know, uh, I don't think Malaysia is safe for women. Uh, doesn't matter, you are a foreigner in Malaysia or you are a Malaysian, uh, whether you are in a rural area or an urban area, there are a lot of situations where one would feel the need to fear for themselves. Okay, so you're coming from a woman's perspective, right? Like safety for women. Nick, what about you? Do you think as a man, it's very safe for you in Malaysia in general? Uh... Generally, it's not something I think about. It's a non-issue for me. I mean, maybe part of it's because of my lifestyle. I rarely go out. Even if I do, I go out with friends. And that's it's kind of a rare occasion. So it's never something I had to consciously think about, let alone worry about. But like I do, back in uni, I do used to. did used to take walks out in the middle of the night. There was this one instant, alone? instance. Yeah, alone. Yeah, I know. Oh, for guys, it's unthinkable, right? For me, it's like, <laughs> let's go catch the, let's go catch a breeze. But wow. there's one instance where, like, some guy in a motorbike, he just he's doing a drive-by, and I don't know if he's just trying to freak me out or something. He threw a, a firecracker, like one of the loud pop ones. Oh wow! That just huh. goes off in one loud okay. bang. Just threw it like right near me, and I remember feeling very resigned. I wasn't scared at all. I was like, hey, I guess this is it. <laughs> Oh my god! Huh? Wow, that is scary. No, I, oh, I was shocked in my own reaction. I was shocked that I wasn't shocked, and I just walked home. Lah. That was the only time I could have been. I was brought very close to being afraid for my life, man. Oh, wow. really. Nick, have you have you not been afraid when you go on dates? Like you know, what if you accidentally date a psycho? <laughs> yeah, like, you think I go weird. on dates? Okay, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm flattered. No, um, uh, I don't know. It's like uh, you're afraid of something because it's happened to you before, right? Mm-hmm. So nothing, I mean, nothing's really happened in my life that makes makes me feel afraid of going out, lah. Except for mm. my recurring social anxiety. But other than that, physical safety, <laughs> nothing's really happened that has triggered any sort of residual trauma or whatever. Uh, so I'm not really afraid, lah. Okay, um, Nadia, what about you? I'm not sure. Like, before, I would say no. But now, it's pretty safe. Because I'm at home all the time. <laughs> but, 
before this, like when I was in college, I would say it's not that safe because I used to stay um, at uh, an asrama beside the college. So oh. whenever I walk past, I have to walk um, like in the middle of the road to get to my college. So like I get really anxious about that because mm. there are a lot of occasions where I heard from my friends that they're going to catch out and all that. And I don't want that to happen to me. But like, mm. I've been not but just, you know, head down, walk as fast as I can. Okay, my personal experience is, no, it's really not safe. Because mm-hmm. I, I, will, I will go into detail later on when we get to it. But basically, when I've driven home, I've actually been followed home before. Like wow. the car has tailed oh. me home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my nightmare. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. So no, I don't think it's safe. Just in general, because I I don't think um, there are many precautions taken. Not just for us, we can take all the precautions necessary, right? But I don't think, like in general, the safety safety is not really at the at the forefront of of people's minds. True. Mm-hmm. With the way things have been planned. Yes, true. Personally. For sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, and and I've actually yeah. even seen situations where no matter how careful you are, uh, there are still abuse or you know ways how things can be made difficult for you, even if mm. you're very careful. Correct. Okay, so moving on from that, have you guys ever been in a confrontational situation where you know you're like oh my god this is it I'm gonna die or even if it wasn't to that extent where I'm gonna die but you know at least <laughs> you have you had that fear of okay my life is in danger in some way yeah I've definitely experienced something like that before but yeah like you said not to the point where I thought I was going to die because it happened in a mall in the in the middle of like everything in broad daylight, in public, but uh, basically what happened is when, uh, uh, was it 2014, 2015, like that, I went to a very well-known mall in KL uh, with, with two of my friends. We went to see a movie, so we left the theatre and we were walking around for a while and we started noticing there was this guy following us uh, and he was like a few feet behind us, just basically stalking us and... It felt very scary because it, even though there were so many people around us, he just zeroed in on us and he just kept following us no matter where we went. So we ended up uh, entering this really girly looking shop. I forgot the name of it, but you know, those really brightly colored children's shops with all of the girly pink stuff. Like we went into that and hid there for a while because it would look weird for just one lone adult man to walk into a shop like that. So we just stayed there for like, I think it was a good 10 minutes before we lost sight of him and the coast was clear. So uh, I'm grateful that I was with my friends when that happened because I think if I was alone, I I would definitely be uh, way more scared. And I think at that point, I think my life would be in danger if I was alone. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Mm, that's my experience. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> why you laugh like that that's why <laughs> I, I, I laugh I laugh off trauma okay <laughs> that's my coping mechanism <laughs> coping mechanism <laughs> okay uh, I pernah once it all happened in college lah usually right mm. so like uh, yeah. when I was in college in like 2017 or something like that I used to take the train to go to the college because I can never find I can never find parking it's in Cheras so it's always jam all the time and like parking at my uni pun macam haram <laughs> so I can't find parking at my uni and then uh, so one time while I was waiting for the train I was approached by this guy and he made like at first he made polite conversation lah, so I replied nicely and everything. And then he started to ask me where I lived, how old I was, do I have a boyfriend, and all that. And I was like, oh no, where is this going? At first it was okay, and then when he started to ask those questions, he became like, uh, close. He came closer and closer. So it was a little bit like, uh, maybe you should mm-hmm. maintain your distance. But I'm not gonna say yeah. that to a guy. Like okay. 
Pas tu then um, I was starting to feel uncomfortable. So when he asked me what I study in college, <laughs> I told him I was in forensics and I was studying to become a police officer. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. No. Oh my god. That's so funny. Smart. So he looked at me and then he smiled and then he's like, "Oh, good. It was nice meeting you." And then he left. I was like, "Oh, if That's I said smart. something else, I was gonna get like murdered or something." That's oh smart. That's best very, very comeback smart. ever, man. <laughs> I would have never thought of saying something like that. Honestly, wow. Quick thinking on your feet, lah. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, dang. Okay. Um, Mena, how about you? I I know you you with the nature of your work, you deal with um a lot of people who come to you with these um situations. But personally, have you ever been in it? Um, yes, and I think it has been in many different different uh scenarios. Um, that one the the first time I would remember that you know I really had the fear of you know that I may that I may just die. Uh, was when I was in a relationship in uni, intimate partner violence. So that was oh, a no. time that oh, I was really afraid for my life. But yeah, touch wood. Luckily, you know, I managed to get out of it. It was an easy process. But I think that definitely steered me into the direction that I'm going now. Uh, you know, by joining a women's rights organization, by continuing the work of women's rights So yeah, yeah, that's great that it it. I mean, something so horrible ended up resulting in something productive for society at least. But but sadly, that's not the same empowerment towards other survivors. You know, like some. Yeah, yeah I mean, everyone reacts to trauma differently, kind. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really glad you turned it around, lah. Yeah. Me too. Thank goodness. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, should I finish up the girl sharing and then we have Nick or should Nick go first? What? Uh, <laughs> never goes first. Okay, Adeline first. Yeah, lah. That the that time when I was followed home, lah. It was really scary because I was I work late at night at that at that point, lah. Right. So um, I was driving a home. I was driving a home. I was driving home alone. <laughs> Late at night, I I think it was two three a.m. kind of thing in the morning, and um, after a while, after some distance, I noticed the car actively following me. Like when I change lanes, the car would change lanes. When mm. I signal, the car would signal. That kind of thing. Yo, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So I called my. I was staying in KL at that time because I was only doing my internship. So I called my godfather, who I was staying with, and I said, "Godpa." <laughs> What do I do? So the he gave me the advice that you know if people are following you, just drive around. Don't go to anywhere specific. Don't stop the car. Just drive, and when possible, just try to lose, uh, lose the fella lah. So I drove lah. I just drove and like that was like three three o'clock in the morning. I was just driving around KL like nobody's business. <laughs> oh my gosh! And then eventually managed to lose him lah. But that. That was the one where I was like, "Shit! If he catches me or if I stop, right, I'm never going to see my parents again. I might mm. end up mm-hmm. in some market overseas with oh. my limbs chopped off, begging yes. for oh money." My, <laughs> <Ooh, damn. laughs> my mind really went into overdrive, lah. Right. <laughs> no, but that's yeah. a very valid fear. Also, yeah, I mean, like not as not specific, but I understand the fear for your life. I would have also. Catastrophize my thoughts and like thought of the worst case scenario. But wow, thankfully you lost him though. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. But yes, for yeah. future advice, if anyone is following you, drive directly to a police station. Just drive into a police station. Huh. Okay. Oh, that's advice. good advice. Yeah. That's useful advice. Why wouldn't I have thought? Of that? <laughs> I, never yeah. thought of that. I didn't. I didn't think of that because I think like the fight and flight mode. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Fight or yeah. flight mode. Yeah. And I was just like, what do I do? I do okay. If I don't stop, I, I if I if I just continue driving and don't stop, then mm-hmm. how how long can this this fellow follow me, right? Mm. Yeah. But even then, also like what I know, uh, it, if you drive into a police station and say uh, tell them that someone is following you, what would the course of action be like if that were to happen? You know, 
Um, so usually when that happens, the reason I remember this because I think a few years ago we did get a case something like this. And uh, usually if the survivor remembers the car plate number, that would be good. But if you don't remember it, as long as you just drive into the police station, the perpetrator would run away because, you know, they get scared of police, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and you can just tell the police that, you know, mm-hmm. a car is following me. I just want to be here for a short while and police won't say no. They won't mm-hmm. kick you out. Uh, but, okay. you know, that's an emergency step that you can take. Okay, okay. Good to know. For everybody yeah. listening, take note. Pro tip. <laughs> okay. Nick. Uh, I think I already dropped the gun on that one. <laughs> the only one I have, I don't think. <laughs> oh, the firecracker thing. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I thought I was getting shot. That was, that's what the sound reminded oh me of. Yeah, it was... It, it, Pretty much sounded like I was getting shot. Oh my god! Yeah. Yikes! How often does that happen in Malaysia, though? I wasn't really. Worried. I mean, shootings do happen, but uh, it's it's very rare in far in between, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. True. So in short, you know, like apart from that, you never really felt like your life was at risk when you're out alone or anything. No. <laughs> wow. Life Be nice. Good. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Privilege. <laughs> <laughs> life as a man okay. sounds good yep. <laughs> okay um i want to do something a little different today so because of the nature of what we're talking about right i want to give you guys situations just mm-hmm. everyday normal situations and i want you guys to rate it on a scale of one to four one being i'm okay for being my life is threatened, I'm gonna die. Okay. 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 And okay. then the two and three are, you know, I'm uncomfortable and I'm I'm a little bit alarmed, but you know, not not to the extreme of shit, I'm gonna die lah. Okay. Mm. Okay. okay. Let's do this. <laughs> so all these situations, bear in mind, are you doing it alone? Yeah. Okay. 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 Walking to the car park. Two. <laughs> Yeah, two. yeah, two. Car park has that feel a lot. <laughs> three. I would say number three. Mm. It depends on the car park, bro. Like, is yeah. it well lit? <laughs> Are there oh, still a lot yeah. of people around? Running to the store to get something really quick. Day or night? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, day or night. 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 Oh, three. Yeah. Three as well. I get slightly paranoid when someone's tailing me or I or it seems like someone's tailing me, but then they walk past me and it's all fine. Driving home from the middle of nowhere. Four. 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 It's mostly the driving part, but yeah, four. Going to the toilet in a mall. One. Two. Three. It's not comfortable. <laughs> I think it's between two and three. <sighs> For me, that's a three. Yeah. Trying on clothes. Three. Mainly because I'm very, very paranoid. Yeah, <laughs> like people are watching cameras yeah. in the... Yeah, or the two-way... What, the one-way mirror? Or is it two-way? I forgot what it was called. Like, two-way. But one of those... Like, yeah. Two-way, yeah, two-way, two-way mirrors, mirror. yeah. 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 I do the finger test every time I get into a dressing room. Yes. I used to love win- window shopping, but yes, this definitely uh-huh. made me... After hearing all the stories, I'm definitely at three and yeah. four. Okay. So, is it safe to say that we're all at least alarmed in most situations that we should be <laughs> alarmed in? <laughs> yes, this should be day-to-day tasks. Why, do, why is it that, that for all these questions and you guys, you know, most of your answers were teetering on two, three, none, not really one in that sense, you know? So, at least you are mm-hmm. un- either uncomfortable or alarmed. But why is it that we feel like that? I feel like it's because there's a constant need to just protect myself in public because there's that automatic assumption that someone's out to either watch me or kill me when I don't want to be watched. Yeah, or kill me or kidnap me or, you know, like harass me. It's a survival mechanism. Like You always have to assume the worst or it's going to get you by surprise, you know? Mm. You're alone in a car park and it's just one other guy and he just happens to be walking behind you. He's not filling with a key. You are. So what's he doing there? Your mind starts to wonder. It's natural. Oh, yo, that's scary. Yeah, that's very like scary. that movie P two. Have you seen that? Huh? No, no, no. Um, this girl, she was uh, she was working late on Christmas Eve, and uh, she went home at like midnight or something. But uh, 
everyone else went home already and they forgot to tell the security guard or whatever that to open the door for her. So she was stuck in the um upper P2 at the basement. And then suddenly oh. this one guy who was pretending to be a security guard is like, oh, I can help you. But he's actually the serial killer. So, oh, no. Wow. So like the whole movie was just her trying to get away from the car park. That is a nightmare. I just thought of something based on Nadia's movie summary. <laughs> Why is it that when it comes to all of these kinds of movies, right, the women are always the victim? Easy target, you know, like girls are supposed mm. to be like frail and damsel in distress. I guess we're seen as more vulnerable. Stereotypical yes. portrayal of. Yeah. And the perpetrators are always men. Yeah. The, the, the serial killers, serial rapists are always men. When, of course, you know, in reality, we've ha- we have seen uh, serial killers who are women as well. But it's always put as men because it's always perceived that men have the bigger power. Mm-hmm. Because when it comes mm. to all this kind of gender-based violence, it's always about, yeah, it's it's always about power, right? Power, privilege. Often in all the scenarios that we spoke about just now, we are not afraid because something mm. has already happened to us before, but it's because of all the experiences that we've heard from other women of how you know yeah, it's mm, happened yeah. before, which is what puts us in fear. Or else I don't think we'll be in that much fear, yeah. right? Yeah, it's just those horror stories that like, you know, that could easily be me, especially the stories that happen within KL or whatever, because I'm a, I'm an urban girl in KL too, that could easily happen to me as well. So that's even scarier to think about. Lah. Correct. Do you think that there are any, just relating back to the stories that we all shared, right? Yeah. Were there any red flags or warning signs? Did we recognize them? And did we recognize them? So red flags, uh, yes, definitely. Uh, you know, there are a lot of types of red flags. Um, controlling is, of course, a red flag, telling you what you should do, what you shouldn't do, what you should wear, uh, who you're going out with, what time, where. All of these are red flags, uh, you know, when you're in a relationship. Uh, so, you know, it's... And, of course, often are situations where the guy may not even think that what he's doing is wrong, uh, you know, they, they may also sometimes just think of it as, you know, normal things that happen in a relationship. But, you know, once you talk to them and you realize that, you know, they're doing this just because they can and they feel like they have ownership over you, then that's definitely a red flag. Right. So it's get out of it. Just get out of that relationship when like kind of red flags are there. I think it's interesting that you pointed out the whole feeling of ownership over women because I feel like that's also quite similar to public harassment as well. Yep. yep. It's like... Mm-hmm. Our bodies, I feel like for a very, I mean, I'm sounding dramatic now, but it feels that every time we're out in public, our bodies as women are up for display and scrutiny. And we are somehow like men are entitled to comment on it, to catcalling or whatever kind of harassment. So does that, do you think that also kind of applies to public harassment? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, like just to give you an example, today, uh, a situation that uh, I received this girl was harassed in a bus, in a public bus. So to say that, you know, the guy was damn brave to harass her in a bus, uh, I wouldn't say it's exactly true as well, because as soon as she turned around to confront him, he ran out the bus. Like, he just ran out <laughs> at the stop that they were stopping at. So I don't think it's right. about bravery. It's just about ownership and I can. Yeah, and I think it's also because they expect us not to response yes i mean i don't know what's the right word for it it's very aggravating to think about because on the one hand like they don't expect us to respond and for us it's as as women or as victims of harassment we we're so afraid to respond because what if it worsens the situation nadia red flags yeah what or what were some warning signs i mean again you a quick thinker i'm a forensic student (laughs) (laughs) yeah eh? But what 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 did you spot and recognize that things were about to get shitty? I think I don't know. There's just it's weird. But like when you look at them, if you look at them in the eyes, you can see bad intent. Is that wow. weird? Mm. <laughs> like it's a six, like a gut feeling, right? Yeah. Like who are you to approach me? You don't know who I am. Suddenly you wanna right. approach me, pasu dekat dekat lagi tu. Like what? Why are you doing that? I think it was the same for me as well when my friends and I were being followed. It's that weird. Even though it happened in a mall and there were a lot of people, we still 
could sense that we were being followed because of how close and consistent that guy's presence was. I don't know. I think that was a red flag because he just couldn't... He was just there everywhere we went. <laughs> and it was that sense of dread. But I can't really... What is the red flag of a stalker or something like that? Because you don't really know someone stalking you until you see them stalking you. Mm, yeah. Maybe Mena can shed some light on this. I, I don't know um, if you've had any... If you've had to deal with any cases where, you know... Um, any of the people who came to you were stalked like that? Uh, yes, we, we've had a few cases of stalking and usually what survivors would tell us. So, sorry, just uh, just a quick side when in Awam, we try not to use the word victims so much because right, you know, right. when you use the term victim, you're trying to, you know, it's sympathy. Whereas they're survivors, they survived yeah, yeah. the harassment and the abuse. Yeah. So the survivors of stalkers who have come to us have usually, of course... Once they reach Awam, it's also important to note that it must the stalking must have happened for quite some time for them finally to be like, you know what, I'm taking an action against this. And by the time they do that, they already have um, some kind of evidence. Like, you know, where were they? Where were they going? How long did the person stalk? What was the person wearing? So uh, usually Awam would accompany the survivors to make a police report. Because, you know, if you don't have right, a police okay. report, there's no protection. Right, but of course, when it comes to laws of uh, stalking, it's not something that we have strong laws against. It's the extent of stalking. If it's just mere stalking without doing anything, uh, then no, we don't have protection over that. Okay, sad, okay. right? It's scary. Yeah. So that means it has to result in physical. Yep. Oh, something no, physical. Well, that's horrible. Yes. And you know what's most insensitive comments that we've heard uh, you know when, when there are cases of stalking is we actually even get some people who say that oh no that's actually not stalking it's just that the person is interested in the survivor that's why he's stalking are you still no. calling it stalking what yes so it's like oh you know the minute last but today could bukan apa pun it shows determination oh. how do they try to justify okay. something that sounds so blatantly wrong it always fascinates me, man. There are so much justifications that people like, come up with. What's the most out-of-this-world justification you've ever heard in any of your cases? Okay, this was not in my case, but I read this as a comment on Facebook. Uh, it was a incest case. Oh. And the comments were around the lines of, at least it was her own family member, it wasn't an outsider. Oh, who raped, what? Who raped the survivor. And that's the most stupidest one I've ever heard. What does that mean? I have no I idea. Does it happen within the family? Like what? And, and, and how does that I, kind of change that I, it happened? It still happened. A minor. Yeah, it's still still, trauma. Yes, it's still trauma. Oh, that's very disturbing. So welcome to my life. This are the kind of stuff that happens. Okay. Okay. Um, coming back to um, the stalking case, right? Well, that was a big bomb you dropped on me. <laughs> yeah, like okay. Um, coming back to the stalking case, you you brought up that you know to make a police report and get um get action taken, uh, you need to collect evidence. Um, what what kind of evidence? Maybe you can you can let us know what kind of evidence is it that we kind of need in order to to say, hey, look, I have proof, and this is a case. Okay, so uh, if it's a physical stalking. Uh, you know, like you were like Tara's situation, she was in a mall. So, if she can remember from which area where she was walking about in the mall, like where the person started to follow her, uh, what was the person wearing? So, that all of those would be good evidence. And of course, you know, the mall has an obligation to share CCTV footages if they have any. So, those would be evidence physical. Uh, if it's online stalking. Now, online stalking is a whole different situation. If someone is just stalking without commenting and, and anything, it's difficult to tell that someone is stalking. But if you get this person who's persistently messaging like, hi, how are you? What are you wearing? Like those constant everyday kind of messages. So then, of course, you can screenshot that and all of that would be evidence that you can present to the police. Uh, we've had situations where survivors would screenshot that and share them online themselves. Like, oh, you know, this guy is stalking me and he keeps messaging me. Um, we've had situations where things like that backfire and the guy may sue the girl 
for defamation. And that has happened. Yeah. So so we always tell survivors it's best not to post anything online. Like, you know, you get all this evidence, just present it to the police. No, don't post anything online, meaning like don't quote unquote expose yes. the harasser online. Ah, I see. Okay. Uh, at least that should not be the first first step of action. First step of action should always be a police report first. After that, if I you want to share the police right. report and tell her, okay, you know what? This person is doing something like this. If anyone else has gone through the same thing with the same perpetrator, then, you know, we can go make a police report together and all of that is fine. Uh, but if you're doing it solely for the purposes, the purpose of announcing it to everyone without taking any legal actions, then that would be slightly a slight problem. Mm, it could backfire. Lah. Yep, definitely. It's, it's interesting you brought that up because I think lately, over the past couple of years, right, we've seen a lot of instances where um, a lot of women are coming forward and they're kind of exposing that, oh, you know, this fella is like that, like that, like that. And then you have, suddenly you have other um, people who have had the same experience with the same person also start speaking up. Yep. What, what are your thoughts on that? It's great that when you have like a a group of people speaking up against the same issue. Example, the V2K last year, the V2K telegram groups. So this those stuff came out last year and actually before any of them made a police report, it was a, a, conversa- a viral conversation that was happening on Twitter where more and more survivors s- stepped up and said about how their pictures are being circulated there. So for that, it was actually great. Uh, you know, uh, Awam actually accompanied five survivors to Bukit Aman Police Station to make a police report. Uh, we did assist a few other survivors who were overseas to make their police reports. Um, so those, so that one was actually quite good. Um, but what was the outcome of uh, all of that? Or is it still pending at the moment? The police are, are still doing because the problem when it comes to all these online platforms is that they can uh, basically disable one page and just start another page easily because they already have all the materials. They have all the pictures, all the videos to just restart something new. And that is happening. Even early this year, Awam got around 20 uh, links to Telegram, Twitter, Instagram pages where uh, intimate pictures of women and including young women, uh, young women as in minors, whose pictures are in it as well. That's so sickening. <laughs> but uh, so another issue that also happens is that a lot of the times, uh, some of the backlash that we get is that the pictures were taken with consent. So it, w- it could be pictures of a girlfriend sending her intimate pictures to her ex-boyfriend wh- while they were still in a relationship. It's after the relationship, mm-hmm. what does that ex-boyfriend do with the pictures? Yeah, that's the issue. Yeah, so it becomes into a revenge porn. Okay, so we've 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 heard of all these situations where okay la, we've got the revenge porn, we've got the whole stalking thing and all that kind of thing. But do you think that currently there are any laws and initiatives that um are are being taken to solve all these issues? Because safety for women, I don't it has something that has prevailed for a very long time, right? This issue. What do you think? in terms of any new laws or initiatives that, that are being taken or that are in the works that can solve all of this? I mean, I, I am aware that there is a sexual, sorry, a sexual harassment bill that is yet to be tabled in parliament in Malaysia and that's supposed to cover uh, instances of sexual harassment outside of the workplace. Because, I mean, I'm coming as uh, somewhat of a layperson who doesn't work in the women's rights sphere but is somewhat familiar with it. Um, the current laws that focus on sexual harassment are mostly within the workplace. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mena. But uh, this bill, this proposed bill is supposed to cover incidences of sexual harassment outside of the workplace, so street harassment and I think stalking, uh, among other things. So hopefully with that being tabled and passed, some slow change and safety in women uh, could be improved in that sense. But mm. I really, I'm not sure what the status of it is currently. <laughs> like right. it's been in limbo for like, I think two years or something. Right. Yeah. Okay. Nick, what do you think about all this? Because, um, you know, coming from the other side of 
the river, lah, I would say, right? You don't experience... I don't yeah. know, actually, I don't know if you have, you've experienced um, any of the things that we have in terms of these kinds of harassment. But what do you think, what are your thoughts on all of this? Uh, yeah, you're right that I have not experienced anything, anything close to you guys have. It's horrible. Everything I'm hearing is just appalling. <laughs> but here's my side of things, the other side of the coin, if you will. The problems usually framed as this whole thing, this harassment as a women's issue. When in reality, the perpetrator, as you guys have said repeatedly, is always men. And and if men are the problem, then surely men should be part of the solution, if not the solution. There's two sides to it, I believe. What happens when uh, in your boyhood and if you're already already a man, already a grown man? If you're already a grown man, whatever social conditioning or framing that's gone on, it's you are still accountable for everything that you do. If you have unconscious biases that leads to you behaving in misogynistic or anything sort of like that, just you ha- you are responsible for correcting that. It shouldn't just be resigned saying, hey, that's just that's just how men are. That's just masculinity. And in reality that's not true. I think it's just easy to say that because it's very hard or people just don't want to change. So they're just yeah. like boys will be boys yeah. and end of story. On the other hand, boys growing up, damn. I feel like the the problem really stems from boys not having proper role models who portray positive masculinity. You know what I mean? Because I feel like uh, fathers, at least in our society, take up more of a protector slash provider role. Because even in my case, growing up, I did not have a reference point to what positive masculinity is. I had to find out for myself. And of course, I stumbled a lot on the way. I was extremely confused. In my teen years, I, was, I didn't know what to do. I was just like, you know, I was just existing. And then I found this friend who introduced me to pickup culture. YouTube videos, seminars, books, you name it, all of them. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I was so, I was knee deep in that stuff. And a lot of good things came out of it as well. I fixed my posture. I, I, I spoke better. I walked better. Physically, I was a better person. But there, were, there was also the, the, the really bad side of pickup culture a lot because how uh, you see and treat women it's more of like a conquest rather than people because like I was you know I was grew up I, I went to a boys school growing up so I was already 18 by the time I first was even conversing with girls you know so like my whole framing around that subject it was, was very messed up from the start mm-hmm. so even though I stumbled I found my footing light I didn't end up being even though it was already a recipe for disaster, I found my way. <laughs> Thank God, I'm fine. But <sighs> I, I have said things I regret a lot. Just, but looking back, I know that it's wrong. But it's just, it's just these people that don't reflect, don't look at things retrospectively and change. It's like, what do you do about them? They men should mm-hmm. be taught to hold themselves accountable, you know? Yeah, but I yeah. think if it's, if you're in a culture that, uh, in a patriarchal culture that more or less reinforces uh, mm. that traditional belief, it is hard exactly. to break out of that cycle yeah. unless you intentionally do it or you have friends who pull you out of that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's fantastic what Awam does. It's, it's amazing, but there should be, I feel like personally, there should be something catered to men as well. So they don't stray into... The dark path you know and just something that gives them because we as a society we need to redefine what masculinity is masculinity is not just something that's fixed by biology it, it is also defined by society so we need to sit down and hey say this is hey this is masculine you know and it, it is, and it doesn't just mean that man men have to be masculine and that's it drink beer you know punch a guy once in a while no it's just like men and women can have both masculine and feminine qualities but you know yeah this is pretty much it like men need role models positive ones 
I definitely agree with what Nick is saying. You know, um, when we talk about all this gender-based violence, we talk about domestic violence, we talk about sexual harassment. Uh, you know, it's not an issue that just fa- uh, that just affects women. It's an issue that affects men too. It affects children mm-hmm. as well. So therefore, the solution is everyone together. Uh, which is why for mm. AWAM, you know, where we take in, uh, where we talk to survivors, the survivors that reach out to AWAM are not all women. We have men yeah. who are also uh, survivors uh, of yeah. abuse. And, you know, and honestly, situations are equally or at times even worse for men who are going through abuse and harassment. Because yeah. at least when women face abuse, uh, we can go to the police station. Yes, we get some insensitive comments, but we still manage to you know, make a report and get something done. Whereas if men face abuse and they go to the police station, I tell you it's way worse. Uh, you know, we, you get mm. uh, comments of... They can't take it seriously. Though. Yeah, it's, it's the whole, what kind of man are you that mm. your wife will beat you up? Or what kind of guy yeah. are you that, you know, a, a yeah. girl harasses you and you don't enjoy it? So, you know, it, uh, yeah. th- things are quite bad for men too. Uh, and, you know, the solution has to yeah. be a, a joined together solution. Yes. So, yes, yes. I definitely agree yes. with what Nick is saying. It is something that definitely needs to be done. Uh, and if I could touch a bit mm. on the sexual harassment bill. Uh, the sexual harassment mm-hmm. bill is something that has been in works for the past 20 years. It's not something that's just up for yeah. the past two years, but you know, it's been in work. For the past twenty years, past two years, it's when it's like okay, it's gonna be tabled soon. It's gonna be tabled soon, but for more and more, they they just keep pushing it. Yeah, and in the sexual harassment uh bill, it the it does not just cover women. It covers men as well. It covers um physical and online. It covers workplace or public places. It it just covers everyone, and that's what we need a bill that can protect right. everyone. So that's more on like the harassment um, part of things, right? Um, in terms of just general safety, has do you think anything has been done or been initiated by, either by the government or by NGOs and stuff that have helped in working towards solving the issue. Like, I know it's not going to just go away overnight, right? Because this is something that has been long... Like the sexual harassment um, bill, it's a problem that has been long-standing, right? But yeah, what, what are your thoughts on, on that, guys? Or do you have any examples? Um, one case that stands out is the Kenny Ong case that happened in 2003. Mm. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, uh, in 2003, a, a Malaysian woman named Kenny Ong uh, was... Uh, kidnapped at a, a at a parking lot at a very popular shopping center in KL and she was later raped and murdered and this case among other incidences actually that involves women getting robbed or harassed in parking lots is more or less the reason why we have women only parking spaces in almost every parking lot now and also why some uh, you will see distress buttons in parking lots as well that's all in hopes of combating combating violence against women in public spaces and making parking lots more safe space in general. It goes to show that we can make our physical environment way safer for women. It's just whether or not we want to, lah, you know? So, like, I've heard of uh, this story. There was a book about it. I don't know. I think it's fiction, but, like, to an extent, it could have happened to someone already because... I don't know. But then um, the story is about this guy who's been stalking this young woman for a very long time already, since she was in like middle school or something. And he was a college kid at first. Everything she does, he knows. But like, they don't approach this girl at all. And she has no idea who he is or his existence at all. Then suddenly, um, she went to like an airport she teman her parents pergi overseas. And then he kind of sidles up to her and like, oh, um, what's up? What's your name? Where are you going? Just casual conversation. Because he was attractive, it made her be like, oh, okay. So he's interested. He asked her for coffee. Uh, she was still in high school. She's also rebellious in a way. 
So she tak kisah about her parents sangat. So she sat down with him and um, while he was getting coffee, he slipped something in her coffee. So she slept and he pretended that she was drunk so that he could be like, oh, um, it's okay, I'll take her home. He took her home. In his house, he had all these documents already. Oh, so wow. the girl's passport, mm-hmm. the girl's picture, semua did I do. So like they became some sort of like married couple. And then he brought her to Australia. What? <laughs> like the... Wait, how'd she go along with that? I'm confused. She was drugged. She and was I think drugged. the rest is just kidnapped. Oh, it all you know? happened in one day. I thought, I thought, like, okay. And the book is um, The Girl Punya Perspective of um, how she was kidnapped, uh, how she uh, was like conscious throughout the whole thing. I, I'm guessing there may be a lot of Uh, brainwashing and to a certain extent of you know mm. if I don't love you no one yeah if I don't love you no one else would love you as much as I do and therefore you should stick with me kind of situations right okay wait I want to pick up on something Nadia said just now when she was explaining about the book she said oh he's attractive so he she thought that he was interested is it that we think we don't expect Um, this kind of abuse behavior or harassment behavior from good-looking people because they're good-looking? Yes. <laughs> so many occasions. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think it's been proven in a lot of studies that like people perceive attractive people more trustworthy. So I think that contributes to it. Like you look at that case of, you know, in the US, that murderer, uh, that serial killer, Ted, Yeah, Ted Bundy. Yeah, I mean, to me, he he looks so ordinary, lah. He like he was very charismatic. Huh? Yeah, it's more the charisma. So I guess that whole he had like projected an aura that made him seem trustworthy to lure his victims, and maybe yeah, that's the people we should be afraid of. <laughs> it's giving me trust issues. That's for sure. Hmm, <laughs> Mina, I I want to throw this question to you because. Again, you you deal with um survivors of all of these instances, right? Has this has has this occurrence ever been brought up where they're like, oh, he's so good looking, you know? I didn't think that he would do this to me, that kind of thing. Yep, yep. It just happened this week. I just got one new case about something like that this oh. week. It was a, a girl going on a date with a guy because you know, like, hey, you know, he looked he looked good looking and I wanted to go on a date with him and then I didn't expect him to uh, harass me. So, yeah. That does happen. Hey, speaking of books, right? There's this fantastic book called uh, Invisible Women, Data Bias in a World Designed for Men. It touches what, yeah, it touches what you mentioned earlier. Because, like, when it comes to, like, uh, making policy and and and, and uh, technology and city planning, An, an entire gender or half the population is systematically ignored. There's this whole default male bias. So when you when when it comes to like registration and stuff, it treats like people as as male by default, and anything that be, that that pertains like uh women's needs and that that tailors to them like their safety and stuff like that is pretty much extra. It's like afterthought, you know. Uh, yeah, it's very. It's I think urban planners and civil engineers have to keep women friendliness in mind when it comes to designing or developing cities as well yeah yeah, yeah definitely no, so to a certain extent i know of a few city plannings where they, they've started to look mm. at things differently but i don't think they look in detail of men and women mm. they look more in the detail of okay religions must make sure there's there's, there's all this tempat tempat ibadat must make sure yeah. that there's kindergarten within a certain town planning yeah. Uh, daycare yeah. centers so you look at that kind of stuff but when it comes to looking at gender mm-hmm. yes that's definitely an afterthought yeah see car parks does don't have to be in a dark secluded area but it is <laughs> because it doesn't matter either way for men right yeah but for women it's a different story so they don't take that into account mm-hmm. i mean not to say that men also don't get a yeah, like, club, like, but yeah but, yeah you get i get the what, gist you of what i'm saying like. But like, would it make a difference if you're a person who knows martial arts and you're like, oh, it's okay. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the bonus, lah. I guess. I don't think a guy looks. I I mean, a a, a perpetrator looks at anybody and just goes, 
oh, she could kick my ass. <laughs> I don't think they think that women are capable yeah. of that. So the fact mm. that they just... I, I don't want to use this word, but instinctually <laughs> think that, oh, okay, she's a, she's a woman. Yeah. I can get away with it. I can do it. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, just so happen if she's a black belt, then you get your ass whooped lah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the thing. I don't, I just, um, I mean, this is more related to people who victim blame or whatever, like saying things like, oh, you should learn martial arts so um, mm-hmm. people, so you don't get harassed or like, why were you wearing that skirt that's so short or whatever lah. I don't think that should be the focus. I feel like whether or not you know martial arts, regardless of what you're wearing, I think you have the right, you should have the right to feel safe yeah. in your environment. True, and very true. And that's severely lacking, yeah. Correct. So that is Correct. the issue lah. <laughs> okay. So on that note, Mena, I, I want to throw this question to you. I know that we, as everyday people, we can't like just go and bang on door of parliament and hello, pass the bill, that kind of thing, right? I wish we could. <laughs> so, I wish we could do that. Right. I wish we could. <laughs> yeah. But you know, in terms of at our level, as a community and a society, what what do you think that we can do? Because you you are very active in the in that sphere, right? So just from what you've been doing, the nature of your work, and also just the cases that you have seen, what do you think that we can do? Whether we are survivors or bystanders? Okay, so when it comes to passing a bill, yes, having a bill is great. Having laws, policies are great. Implementation is always a question, right? So putting laws mm-hmm. aside, uh, just as individuals, what can we do? Uh, you know, for workplace to ensure that your office has a sexual harassment policy, like has a policy to protect women in the workplace. Um, For your local communities, you know, to make sure your neighbourhood, your resident association or Rukun Tetangga has uh, also a policy for women's safety or even uh, gender-based violence. Like, okay, if someone in your neighbourhood has been uh, abused by her own husband, what can be done as a neighborhood? So there, there are a lot of things as a group right. individually a lot of us can do. Um, if you're in a public space and you see someone being harassed, for example, uh, Nadia's case, you know, you are at a train station, you see a girl with her face nampak sangat, she's feeling super uncomfortable, you know, be an active bystander, you know, step in, intervene. Uh, help take pictures so that pictures can later help Nadia to go make a police report. So, but, you know, so there there are a lot of things that you can do as an individual, as a bystander, as compared to just just seeing things happening and, you know, having the whole attitude of, uh, you know, jangan kacau tepi kain orang. That line just does not work anymore. As a community, we need to jaga tepi kain orang lah. We cannot just let it be anymore. Okay, I do want to bring up this as well because, um, correct, we all know that, yes, if you see something, say something and speak up and be an active bystander, right? Like, we all know that's the right thing to do. But what if you are caught in a situation whereby you're like, oh, what if I intervene and then I pull out yang kena? I pull out yang kena beat up or whatever. Yeah, so it's important to assess the situation. Um, you know, so when you see the situation... Strength in numbers always matter. So when a survivor who's being harassed, she's alone there. You know, just to have someone speak up. And once you speak up, other people around would also speak up. Uh, example, uh, this one girl who was being harassed while she was at the bus stop. Um, and this guy continued to harass her for three days in a row. First day, first day he cat-called her at the, train, uh, at the bus stop but he was further away, so she ignored it. Second day, he came closer, she ignored it. Third day, he tried to put his hand on her. And, and an old uncle who was also there at the bus stop stepped in and be like, hey, stop disturbing her, go away. And other people at the bus stop speak up, spoke up as well. So, you know, when one person speaks up, the rest would also speak up. But was it because... Sorry, I'm playing a bit devil's advocate yeah, here. Yeah? Yeah, sure. But was it because that it was an older male that, that spoke up that everybody felt like, oh, we can do it too. What if, you know, let's say for me, la, uh, I'm a skinny white girl. 
right? So if it's just me, let's say I'm walking in a mall and then I see like um, Nadia's situation where she's just sitting there and then somebody come and catch her and keeps, you know, and I, I see that she's clearly very uncomfortable. I want to step in, but what if the guy pull up, turn around and then there is, you know, violence, actual physical violence involved? Yeah, yeah so in situations like that, you know, if, if you're in a parking, immediately try and find anyone else who's around there. Of course, if, if you see someone who's like a you know, major, huge size and, you know, you do not feel comfortable stepping in by yourself, then don't. But get help. Get anyone right. else. So assess the situation. At the end of the day, whoever who's going to step in to help out should also feel comfortable. Like, you know, if you are afraid to step right. in, yeah. don't step in just for the sake of stepping in if you are scared. I read, uh, I think it was on Twitter or Tumblr, uh, about this really interesting response to uh, harassment. La. Like, this happened in a club. So, this girl was um, being, like, consistently, like, talked at almost by this guy. Uh, this really creepy guy who just, like, couldn't get the hint that she wasn't interested in him. La. And she's very uncomfortable. He kept, like, pressuring, like, I'm, let me buy you a drink and all that. And she just, like, she had no way out. Her friends were in another side of the club or something. So this girl saw that happening. She didn't know that girl who was being um, harassed personally, but she just came up to her and like, hey, I know you from college. And like pretended like they were old friends and she quickly like swept her away. Yes, yes. So I thought that was quite an interesting way to handle the situation as a bystander. So like act like you're an old friend and be like, hey, yeah. you okay? Yes. Mm. Uh, I have a question. Okay, think think of a reality in which girls can go out late at night to a car park or to the store and worry about their personal safety only as much as a guy would. Do you think that's uh, that's utopian or a possible future? I think it's utopian. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, hopefully someday it will be possible. But I don't know. Mina, what do you think? In my line of work, I need to say it's a possible future or else what am I working for? <laughs> <laughs> it has to be a possible future. <laughs> but, but, but come on, all of us, you know, uh, I, I, I think all of us who are talking right now, all of us are young people and someday, you know, we would have our own family and of course we want our own kids to be in a Malaysia where, you know, everyone would feel safe. So which is why, mm-hmm. you know, right. this... This fight for a safe Malaysia for all needs to continuously be fought, which is why we need everyone yeah. to fight for this. Agree. Yeah, it's a collective yeah. thing, lo. Yeah, yeah. We cannot give up. Mm. Agreed. 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 <laughs> We're with you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, yeah, I think that's a that's a good end to the podcast. Yay. I would say, hope. Mm-hmm. So for everybody out there listening, I whether you're a guy or a girl, it doesn't matter. I hope you guys, you know, took something away and were able to learn some tips and tricks. Because I think at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter whether you're a guy or a girl. Um, safety is for everyone. Everyone deserves to feel safe regardless of their gender. Mm-hmm. Preach. Okay, so thank you again so much for listening. Thank you, Mena, so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule uh, to join us and talk about this. It's very, very insightful. Thank you very much for having me. I hope uh, you help more people out there and you continue to fight the good fight. <laughs> thank you very much. But uh, uh, thank you to all three, all four of you. You know, it's great listening to you guys as well. Uh, do come back and volunteer and help out with Awam too. But yes, thank you. <laughs> is there anything you want to promote <laughs> that yeah. Awam is doing? Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, the sexual harassment campaign is still ongoing. We're looking at different ways of collaborating with everyone. So if you have an idea, uh, something you want to do for your university, your college, your workplace, uh, you want to collaborate with Awam, by all means, please do get in touch with us. Uh, you want to volunteer, yes, this year Awam does have quite a bit of community work that we're doing uh, because, you know, as we spoke about today, uh, we need to spread the awareness about gender-based violence to as many people as possible, people in rural areas out of the Klang Valley. So, yes, do join us in helping to spread the message of awareness and gender-based violence. If you or anyone that you know is facing any type of abuse or is going through any problem or they just need someone to talk to, 
feel free to call Awam's Telinita helpline. Uh, the number is uh, 016-237-4221. Awam's Telinita helpline is also on WhatsApp and Telegram. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. You guys got that. If not, you you just rewind and play, okay? <laughs> this is on Spotify. <laughs> Can one. And if any of you out there need more info or want to find out more about what Awam is doing, then please feel free to visit their website. Thank you so much, everybody, again, for listening. Tune in next week when we have our next episode talking about whatever we're talking about. Don't forget to follow us on all our socials. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. And also, please follow the Spotify page because you're listening to us, right? Thank you for listening and bye! Bye! Bye.